Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Well, I hope everyone's doing well. I don't know everyone in the room, I don't think. Um, my name is Landon Snow. I'm senior leader here. It's an honor and a privilege to be up here right now and get to do this. We just love what God's doing throughout the city of Baton Rouge and every church, every organization. God is just really bringing in an awakening and an enlightening to the city. And we are super thrilled just to be a part of one of the great churches where God is being God, you know. Um, he, he has a lot of plans and a lot of desires for Baton Rouge, bigger than we could think or imagine. And so we just get to say yes and grab on to what he's doing. I mean, think about it. I mean, he's anything you could think or imagine, it's bigger than that. So if you have a dream, God wants it bigger than that. God wants to see greater city impact than what you have in your heart, which is just incredible. Am I talking to the right crowd? And get an amen. Not good. In all walks of life, the church is a place where we come get together, we get supplied tools, we have community, and then we go back out and do life. Um, ministry is not happening on Sundays. Ministry is Monday through Friday out at your job with your family. That is where the kingdom is actually released. And so it's awesome what God's doing here. It's awesome what God's doing in different churches, but it's not just for us to huddle up and hide from society. We, we take the gospel and we go into the city and we'll be salt, light, and leaven. And this is the heart of the Father. And here's where we get equipped. Here's where we um, experience God. We experience the presence of God. And so um, we enjoy doing that. Awesome. Before I jump into the word, though, um, I have a podcast that's coming out on Wednesday with Noah Conkergood. Noah, wave your hand. All right. <clears throat> so we do uh, several different podcasts. This is recorded every Sunday, and that's on the Cedar House Church podcast. I have a personal podcast that I do pretty much for the Cedar House community, but I just called, I had to name it the Landon Snow Podcast because I couldn't do like Cedar House A and Cedar House B. It'd be a little confusing, right? Um, am I right? Right? Um, I just wanted the glory to have my name on there. Um, anyway, what I do on that is just a platform for local leaders and local, influence local influencers to share good. And so I uh, interviewed Noah for a total of about three hours, and it's an incredible content, and I, I really encourage you guys on Wednesday to take a look at that. Noah has an incredible testimony, incredible story of what he's come out of and now what he's walking in, and we basically sit on how to love people. It's funny that Dave and Amber both said that, but how to love people who don't necessarily live the same lifestyle that we live um, and as a body of Christ, how can we live with our conviction, yet love people who don't agree with our conviction? Um, Jesus had something about him where he was, he, he was holy and sinless and had such high character. He was so pure. Yet he walked in some posture where the brokenhearted and very dirty people would come to him. See, for us, if we turn that into a religious mindset, what happens is that we, we get out of society. We don't want to be dirty. We want to isolate from people to show that we're holy. But what happens is that the laws go the other way. So if we're truly modeling the heart of Jesus, which is the sermon series we're on, the truth is, is that our character and our holiness should be drawing people. I haven't fully experienced that yet. I've experienced it a little bit, but I know it's possible because that's what Jesus did. And so we dive into that. And people that live completely different lifestyles than us, 
that we get to engage with them and love them, and how can the body of Christ do that? So um, that's my plug for the podcast. You guys should all check it out because it's fantastic. Sound good? Will you do that? Comes out Wednesday. Noah's really excited about this. Awesome. Um, Well, we have been on a sermon series that is Jesus is our model for ministry. If you haven't been here, um, we've been covering multiple topics around the life of Jesus. In the first week, I covered that Jesus came to reveal the Father. And the second thing that Jesus did is that he modeled the Christian life. So Jesus modeled the normal Christian life, and then he passed the baton to us and said, go do what I've been doing. He said, as the Father sent me, I send you. And so we get to um, do the things that Jesus did. And I've, I've been saying this, but it is not humility to not do the things that Jesus did. Um, for example, Jesus said, heal the sick. And so if we don't put our hands on sick people and pray for them, that's, we're being disobedient. Amen? The, the manual says to do certain things that we're supposed to do. And so it, it's just we're supposed to carry those things out. And so we've been kind of unpacking several different topics around that. Last week, I talked about uh, miracle signs and wonders and how miracle signs and wonders should be following those who believe. That's what Jesus said. And I said at the beginning of that message that I would appreciate if everyone who heard that message would also listen to this one and the next one. Uh, I think it's if you just hear one of these messages, you potentially could get the wrong picture. And so um, I would encourage you to listen to last week and listen to next week. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about character and holiness and how Jesus walked in a very high level of discipline and a high level of character. But today, I'm really excited to talk to you about uh, a sermon that I've titled, Was Jesus a Charismatic? (laughs) Was Jesus a Charismatic? All right, now when I say the term charismatic, obviously I'm being a little bit funny. Um, I'm using that term loosely and in a light manner. What, what What I mean by saying charismatic is this. Typically in North America, you're considered a charismatic um, if you believe that God speaks frequently today, if you believe that God would use, uh, that you would let your emotion be something that you connect with God with, potentially if you raise your hands in worship, if you like modern music, um, if you think that the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit are active today. That is typically under the charismatic title. Supernatural activity is typically put under the, the people who believe in the charismatic movement. The other side of that is what I'm going to call the structured movement. I just couldn't think of anything creative like charismatic, so just structured. Um, so just the structured movement of God. What that is is, you know, it's just straight-laced. Everything is functioned from discipline. Everything is routine, um, so on and so forth. So that's the context of what I'm saying when I'm talking about um, charismatic instruction. Now, typically what happens in North America is that we choose one side or the other. So we go really far on the left with charismatic stuff, or we go really far on the right. And they're very infrequent. It's very infrequent when there's some form of middle ground. And what happens is the people on the left or the people on the right look at the other side and we judge. And then we read scripture to fulfill our point of view so we can look at the other side and keep judging. I'd like to present to you today that Jesus was fully both. Jesus wasn't 50% charismatic and 50% structured. Jesus was 100 on both. 
there was something about the way that Jesus lived that I'm about to break down line by line where he was able to move in the supernatural yet had the character and the discipline that the Father wanted him to have to live in holiness. And so I'm going to pick that apart today. But I wanted to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. Can I get an amen? Are we, are we all, we're engaged? We're good? We're going to do some... We, people have been getting healed lately. It's been awesome. Did you, is your neck better? Okay, cool. I didn't know that. I was like, a, I got healed thing. Um, yeah, and so at the end, we're going to keep praying for the sick, because uh, that's a whole lot of fun, and maybe do some prophetic stuff. So I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9. I have to say that stuff's coming at the end, so all of you get excited and want to listen. Um, or half of you are frightened, one of the two. <laughs> Um, I'm in second. I'm in First Corinthians chapter two. I'm sorry. I'm going to start in verse nine, and I'm going to read down through verse sixteen. Okay. Now this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Um, Paul wrote many books of the Bible. He was an apostolic man, and when he's speaking, I would just really need to take um, heed of what he's saying. How many of you are thankful for the Bible? We would be completely lost without this thing. I'm very, very thankful that we have it. Okay, so Paul's saying, But it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Isn't that awesome? That's a promise from God. Anything we could think or perceive, God wants more for us. It's just awesome. We need to dream bigger. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thought, the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by, by, by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person, person does not accept the things of the Spirit, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that great? Everyone say this with me. I have the mind of Christ. One more time. I have the mind of Christ. Okay, so Paul's saying here, he's saying spiritually discerned things come from a spirit-led life. And God, another way to say it is deep cries out to deep. And he's saying we have the Holy Spirit within us so that we can go further in the things of God. And then he says, we have the mind of Christ. Now think about that statement for a second. This is God telling us that we have access to think how Jesus thought. How many of you would like to think how Jesus thought? Now, anytime the Bible says something like that, that that means it's available. And if you'll yield your life and pursue God, then you can actually have that. And Jesus wants us to learn to think how he thought. Jesus saw things in a very unique way and you and I have access to think like that Jesus looked past just the surface and saw into the spirit realm all the time 
and Jesus had a very big um, bandwidth of truth. Jesus saw truth in levels and in width, which we're going to talk about in a second. But you and I are invited into start thinking the way that Jesus thought. Jesus modeled for us the normal life, and we get to learn how to think like Jesus thought. All right. Now, I grew up in somewhat of a charismatic environment. My parents aren't here tonight, but they're awesome. I had a fantastic... Oh, my mom's in the back. Look, there she is. She's waving. She, there she is. Um, had an awesome childhood. Um, and, but I, I was around spiritual things, and I remember I was about eight years old, and we were a part of this church called the Vineyard Church. I love the Vineyard Church now. It's fantastic. That's my roots. Love the Vineyard Church so much. But in the early 90s, there was a move of God that started in Northern California, in Anaheim, California, and it was called the Vineyard Church, and there wasn't the internet. And so what would happen is they would deploy teams to go into different environments and train on the supernatural. I was about eight years old, and this group from the Vineyard was coming down to our house, literally into my house, and their goal was to teach everyone how to pray in tongues. Now, I talked about it last week, so I'm not going to dive into this. In an unrenewed mind, praying in tongues is like the weirdest, freakiest thing in the world, right? Who's socially normal and aware is that speaking in tongues is weird? And so I'm eight years old, and it was me and the pastor's son, actually, which made me feel like it was okay to do. Um, they were training everyone in speaking in tongues. So there's like 30 to 50 people in my parents' living room, like, screaming in tongues, <laughs> And I'm hiding in the closet with my friend. Literally, we're playing with Ninja Turtles. I used to collect these, like, action figure Ninja Turtle things. And uh, I remember thinking, like, that is so weird. Like, that's really weird. But I could feel the authenticity of it. And I, I don't know how else to say it. I could just feel God on it. But I remember thinking, this is very strange. I don't know what to do with this. So fast forward about five to seven more years, um, there was a move of God coming out of Toronto. It's called the Toronto Blessing, for those of you who don't know. Um, and when God shows up in very powerful ways, weird things happen. Um, to give context for those of you maybe new to this environment, when the Holy Spirit fell in the book of Acts, people start speaking in other languages. There's loud wind going. There's fire above the head. Is that weird to anybody else? That's the purest form of church that we have in the Bible. I'm not. That's like, Go read Acts 2. That's a normal church service. I've said this before. If I was God, that's not the way I would do it. Obviously, I'm not in charge, and I just need to realign myself to him. So this move of God happens, and people just started manifesting in a weird way. Um, we talk about this in the school of ministry, but... If a supernatural God that is all-powerful comes near to a human body, it would almost be more weird if nothing happened. Makes sense? Um, I, I, and I'm not a man. I don't manifest in the Holy Spirit. So, But when God's in the room, those things happen, and it makes me excited. But not when I was 13. So this woman, we, some of the group from the church went up to Toronto. They come back, and this lady, I would call what she started doing, the funky chicken. Uh, this, she would just engage with God. The Holy Spirit would come, and she would start doing this thing. Which, don't judge people for their manifestations. I'm saying from a 13-year-old's perspective, I was like, man, what in the world is going on? This is absolutely crazy. 
but I could feel God. I was like, okay, I just, I'm assuming this is, you know, God, and I guess I'll just go with it. Obviously, it's in the Bible, and so I'm going to keep going with it. So fast forward about five years later, I'm in high school, and I start having um, angelic and demonic activities start happening, and I start having dreams. And I have these dreams where it's like I'm talking to Corey at 3 o'clock at, in the gym, and we're talking about the new Ninja Turtle action figure. I don't collect those anymore. I'm not like that, so please don't think that. Um, just kidding. I'm not kidding. Um, so, And they would happen. I mean, like, those things started happening. I'm just like, man, like, God, there's something deeper here that I don't fully understand that God's doing. And so God started showing me, again, what we're calling today this charismatic supernatural feel. And as this is going on, two things happen. I noticed that the people who grabbed onto supernatural activity and didn't have community and got out of Bible-based theology and went all the way for it end up in la-la land. And it's impossible when you get off into space and supernatural activity, it's hard to serve and love the people around you. And everything in the kingdom, every blessing that God puts on your life is to serve other people. It's never self-seeking. And so, but I watched it. I was like, okay, I can tell this is real. But I watched the people who went so far for it with no discipline in their life ended up way over here. Amen? Okay. So I get in college. I'm like, all right, that stuff's a little kooky. Um, maybe go the structured route. So start going to church. Get into um, environments where discipline and structure is the main goal. So from there, you got to get in a small group. Um, you have to have accountability. You have to read your Bible certain times a day. Uh, these routines that started happening. And I, I started watching and I said, okay, this is also good, but it was void of a level of connection and um, experience with God that was in the Bible. And so it left me a little bit hungry, like, okay, that's not it either. So throughout my 20s, I felt like God started showing me, look, it's both the structure actually leads to freedom. And as you are walking out the supernatural charismatic activity in your life, you also have to have these disciplines to keep you tethered. For example, we can't get so spiritual where we get outside of the discipline of reading the Word, the discipline of, of having the correct priorities with family being first. Supernatural activity doesn't throw out healthy life. It adds to it. Can I get an Amen. So throughout this journey, I feel like God has been showing me how Jesus modeled his life. And Jesus modeled where he was 100% structured and charismatic. And we're going to break that down. Can I get an amen? All right. I'm going to go with the structured side first. You guys with me? I'm going to bullet out about 12 of these things. And so you can just, this is being recorded if you want to go back and listen to it, or you can just um, listen to it now and hold on. All right, Jesus had immense priority for Scripture and knew it better than the religious leaders. Jesus really, really valued Scripture, and they would come and try to trip him up by using Scripture, and no one knew more than him. No one had more imprinted in their heart than Jesus. It's a very structured, disciplined activity. Um, Jesus was dedicated to fasting. Think about that. He was so structured in his life, and he was so had the character and the discipline to withdraw often and fast. That's fantastic. He's dedicated to isolating with the Father in his prayer life. 
Now think about this. Jesus was only doing ministry for three and a half years. And for him to isolate for 40 days to pray and fast, that is a chunk of time where I would think, oh, no, 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 like we can't miss a month of this. And he was at a place where he's like, no, this is, this is the priority. And he was disciplined enough in his walk to be able to do that. Amen? I can't even do that. I mean, like fasting for 40 days, no food, that's unbelievable. When Jesus walked that type of structured line, um, he preached on feeding the poor. He preached on taking care of widows and orphans. Christianity 101 stuff. We get all that from Jesus. Jesus was the feed the poor guy. Jesus gave a voice to the people who didn't have a voice. He taught on uh, things like not stealing, basic character stuff. Um, he repeatedly highlighted character and doing the right thing. Jesus was so holy that he was sinless. Now, Jesus was fully God, fully man, and he didn't sin. I mean, the mindset that he had to be in to walk that line and to be that holy. And he was in places where you and I would think, okay, that's not where you go if you'd never want to sin. And he was at a place with the Father and so structured in his life where he knew what his posture was all the time. Isn't that amazing? Um, he taught on paying taxes and being a contributor to society. The disciple asked him if, she, if he should pay taxes or give it to him, and he said, give to Caesar what's his. He wasn't causing a revolt. He was serving the people around him. Um, he focused on long-term stewardship. This is a big one for me. He's not, Jesus is not modeling a slot machine God. He's modeling stewardship. He's consistently giving parables on how to steward. But we, don't th we typically, in a charismatic movement, don't think about stewarding something for a really long time. We think of like, let's just think, positive, think in positive terms and declare it and it'll happen. Amen? Okay, that's not what he modeled. He's modeling stewardship for a long time. Um, he was organized enough to put the crowds into groups before he multiplied the food. That's just business 101. You delegate, you, you put in departments, you delegate, and it functions. He thought like that. He thought in terms of basic structure. He understood those type of things. He attended church routinely and when, was surprised at 12 years old when everyone else didn't know where he was. He was at church. Jesus wasn't so supernatural that he was above going to church. Uh, he was a carpenter for roughly 17 years. He had a job in society. He honored his father and mother. He had a seamless robe. Most theologians would say the type of robe he wore was very, very expensive, meaning his level of excellence was very high. Quality. Um, he obviously appeared very structured and disciplined. He had boundaries. He knew when to say yes and to say no. And his yes was yes and his no was no. And he knew when to hold his tongue. All right, so just going off of what I just said, he, he held his tongue one time. He, he said to the disciples, there's more for me to tell you, but now's not the time. I mean, think of what he knew and the character and the connection with the Father to say, I can't, I, I'm not going to do that right now. Okay, if we just sat on that, it'd be so easy for our theology to be like, well, that's what we need to do, right? Amen? Like, well, I mean, yeah, we just need to do it. Jesus needed to pray fast feed the poor, be structured, go to church, get in a small group, connect, be honest, have accountability. This would be the normal thing. So I'm going to present to you the other side now, what I would call the charismatic side, where Jesus was more the supernatural. This will get you a little bit more razzed up. 
Okay, Jesus raised people from the dead. So how many of you would like to do that? So if you're new to this environment, that's Matthew 10, 8. And Jesus said, heal the sick and raise the dead. I don't know what else to tell you. That means we're supposed to heal the sick and raise the dead. So, But that's typically someone who would think to go pray for a dead person would be viewed crazy. But again, we're talking about the structured guy here. Okay, He healed everyone that came to him. His healing anointing was 100%. We don't have one example of someone coming to him and asking for prayer and him saying, one, I can't pray for you, or two, sorry, this is the sickness my father gives. Everyone he healed. High-level healing anointing. Um, demons would come and grovel at his feet. Now, just imagine being at Walmart and a demon start manifesting around you. It's happened to me. Uh, it happened to me one time. That was just a story for another day. Um, but that's a, that's a pretty intense, charismatic thing, right? Demons just start manifesting around you. People would put that in that category. Um, he was very familiar with the demonic and the angelic. He he operated rebuking one, and he understood how to connect with the other. Uh, he appeared to be okay with revival meetings getting very messy and disrupted. So Jesus was having a meeting one time like this, but obviously much better. And someone, two people start cutting a hole in the roof and lowering their friend down. Now, that's very disruptive. Jesus' priority was, oh, that's fantastic, you're healed. I mean, like, he wasn't like, no, you know, worship's got to be 40 minutes, da, da, da. Like, he's like, man, this is fantastic. And I'm going to change the entire atmosphere to celebrate somebody cutting a hole in the roof. It's pretty spontaneous, right? Um, he walked on water and through walls. If you really want to test your what faith, try to walk on water with your cell phone in your pocket. <laughs> Don't do it without your cell phone. I'm just kidding. Uh, so here's a, a fascinating one. He floated in clouds with former prophets. Jesus goes up to the mountainside one day to pray and he starts floating in the clouds with Moses and Elijah and the Father speaks out loud to them. How many of you would like that in your prayer closet? <laughs> Chilling with Elijah and Moses. That would be pretty cool, right? Pretty, pretty charismatic activity to say the least. Yes. Um, he had an invisible bird on his shoulder. Who caught that? Anybody catch it? Anybody catch it? He comes out of the water, and the father says, this is my son, who I'm well pleased. And it says that dove landed on him in bodily form. It may have been there, really. I don't know. I mean, again, we're, we're so far gone at this point. Whether it's real or not doesn't matter, right? You have to think how he walked if he thought he had a bird on his shoulder. Weird, right? That's weird. Jesus went around calling his calling the father. The word is actually dada. So imagine a 30-year-old man saying, you should see my dada's house. He's got rooms for everybody. He's got stuff. It's my dada loves you. I would be like, that guy's crazy. We should probably put some parameters around this guy. And Jesus is doing that. The same guy fasting and praying for 40 days is saying dada. Okay. Uh, he told the weather what to do. 
We teach our kids how to do that. Just tell the rain to go away. It's the biblical model. Um, he had extremely accurate words of knowledge and prophecies. Very, very obviously, 100% accurate. Um, he felt free enough to drink alcohol around broken people and bad places. That's extreme. Next week, I'm going to talk about character and holiness and understanding grace, so please don't run off with that. <laughs> he was emotional enough to sweat blood, mourn, and create a whip to drive people out the temple. So we're not talking about a stoic man. I mean, that's, that's, a, lot of, I, that's a lot of emotion. I am not emotional enough to, to premeditatively, if that's a word, create a whip and drive people out the temple. That's that's a lot of emotion. Jesus doesn't like when people <clears throat> uh, use the gospel to leverage themselves to make a bunch of money off of it. So every example we have of Jesus is that he's really good unless you're religious and leveraging yourself off the gospel. So don't do that. Um, he talked about communion. Now, we think communion is normal because we're in our Western mind and we drink the blood and eat the flesh. Now, when Jesus is saying that, it sounds like cannibalism. Now, think about how crazy he had to sound to be like, hey, guys, we're gonna, you're, you're going to start drinking my blood. <laughs> um, he would say, I can do nothing but of what the Father tells me to do. That's how spirit-led he was. Nothing. He said, I said it, actually, week one of this sermon series. I think it's six times he says, I can do nothing until the Father tells me to do it. Nothing. He was that dependent. I mean, you could, I don't know the level of this, but again, we're on this side of the, the spontaneous side. Where it's like, hey, can you go get coffee on Tuesday? But like, let me go ask the Father. I'll get back with you. Hey, can I have coffee in the morning? Let me go ask the Father. I'll get back with you. Now, I don't think he was like that. But, uh, but the fact that he was that dependent on God, we would consider that a very charismatic thing. Amen? All right. So here's the deal. Which one is it? Is he spontaneous? Is he charismatic? Or is he structured and is he disciplined? Is he rooted in character or is he rooted in this um, supernatural activity? Both. The answer is Yes. Is that just, you, you can feel light, like it's okay. Both are good. And it's not 50-50. This is, this is important. It's 100-100. Okay, there's a couple things that this does when you really dive into it and you really allow this to happen. Okay, what does that mean? If what I just said is true, then you need to have a relationship with God to know where you're at. Listen, what is God teaching you in this season that he hasn't taught you before? And what he's teaching you may be different than what he's teaching the person next to you. So here's the thing. I can't judge your process. You may be in a season where you're learning how to fast. I may be in a season where he's learning, teaching me how to feast. That's okay. What religion does is to make everything explainable I'm going to just grab one side, and so when the other side happens, I can judge it and make it really safe in my corner. 
But when you open it up to where it's both true, now I have to honor your relationship with God. Is this making sense to you? This is very important for our culture. So you think about it like this. There's truths that are held in harmony, and they're all true. Micah's singing tonight. He's like oil. He's like wind. He's like water. He's like fire. Which one is he? Yes. All in the Bible. So he may be touching Jason differently than me. But if Jason's like, man, God keeps hitting me with this oil thing I can feel in the back of my neck, and I don't feel that, what I want to do is create a rule that that's not right. But they're all right. This is where seasons are really important. What season are you in with God? He's teaching you different things in different seasons. So for one season, for example, I could be t- um, God could be teaching me generosity, and he could be teaching you stewardship. And so I may, he may tell me to give away 50% of my possessions, and he may tell you to not do that. Does, who's right or wrong? You have to go to the Father. If, what I'm saying is that your posture in the kingdom has to lead you to God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like, okay, this is the regular way to do it, so this is the only way we're going to do it. We're going to create a rule around this way. Are you with me? And anyone else who does it differently, we just don't agree with that. And, and I'm telling you, Jesus didn't walk like that. Okay, I'm going to introduce a couple things to you that I think will help you in, in your walk here. There are truths in the kingdom that appear that they're in tension, but the truth is, is they're in harmony. Let me give you an example. Is he the lion or is he the lamb? Both. Was he a servant or was he a king? Both. Is the Holy Spirit here, yet we want to ask him to come? Those appear contradictory. They're not. Did Jesus already pay for the healing, yet we need to lay our hands? Yes. Are you with me? Should you spend more time in the Word or worshiping in your quiet place? Yes. So these are these are there are multiple levels of truth in the kingdom. This is why it's all yes and amen. When you're when you're in your walk and I'm in my walk, it's all yes and amen. You understand? I'm not talking about morally being false here. I'm talking about walking an upright life. But your yes could be different than my yes in this season, and I can't judge your yes. I don't feel like I'm supposed to start fasting 40 days next month. You may. And that's great. I just feel the relief on that. You know, so we're we're considered a, a charismatic church. I've lived on the West Coast in Seattle. Trust me, we are not very charismatic. <laughs> but for this region, we're very charismatic. And the truth is, it's like, I'm actually super structured. I'm overwhelmingly disciplined in my life. I mean, it's, you would be shocked. But both are true. So when I get around God, I'm like, okay, God, I want you to manifest how you should manifest. But our lives should be very structured and very led into a disciplined life going before God. Amen. Thank you. Yay. Okay. When you get into the kingdom... The kingdom is bigger on the inside than it looks on the outside. And when you're in the kingdom, everything is yes and amen. 
And when you get into the kingdom, there's levels of truth. Let me, let me explain this. The Bible says that faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. That's a great verse, right? So, But the, he just put a rank to truth. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love. He prioritized love over other two other truths. I'll give you an example. The Old Testament, 100% true. The New Testament is a higher reality. The law, that's fantastic. Praise God for the law. Jesus swallowed the appetite for the law. It's a higher truth. So Jesus gets into the kingdom, and he's got truth and harmony and levels of truth, and now he's wide open with all this permission to choose. And the only way he knows what to do is go to the Father. Is this making sense? Okay. The rocks are crying out. Okay. All right, I'm going to close with this. Here's the thing, guys. If both are true and everything is yes and amen, then we need to have a relationship with God. You have to get in the quiet place and know what's, what, what season you're in. I don't have your season. You're in your own season. You, the person left and right, I, we don't have the same season, but I need to honor your walk. Okay, number two is if you're going to walk, if you're going to pursue supernatural activity, you have to get around community that will hold you accountable. You have to. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm all for the left side of the page, 100% for it. You have to have people around you to say, hey, that feels a little off because that's what the New Age movement is. That you, there's, They've taken the truth and gone too far with them outside of Jesus being the center, and you have to stay close to people. Amen? What this also allows us to do is that we can stop judging each other. Yeah. All right. The church down the street that doesn't do it like us, there's an aspect of God that they're carrying. Awesome. Fantastic. The church down the street who may be more charismatic than us, that's great. It's a different flavor of God. I don't have to judge them for it. You with me? All right. Check in your heart if someone has a different theology than you and you get offended. That's a tell. If, if, some, if someone has a different theology than you and it offends you, that's a tell that there's insecurity about what you believe. I don't need, I don't need to co-convince the church down the street that they should raise the dead. They're on their path with God. I trust that God will manifest appropriately in their life. He's really good at his job. You with me? Listen, as we get bigger as a community, which is happening... I, I want to make sure that we're 100% both. Okay? Can we do that? We're not. We're not. We're, we're, we're walking, trying to walk the lifestyle that Jesus led. Amen? That's all I got for tonight.